Also the Mark Podcast Show. It's story time, boys and girls. Are you ready for a dark fairy tale? From the book, Once Upon a Time a Curse. Yarrow, sturdy and bright, Devon Monk. Town's bells rang a strange harmony, mourning the last light of dusk and filling Yarrow's heart with fear. Tonight, at the rise of the winter moon, she would go into the woods. Tonight, she would find the tailor's son and bring him home. Tonight, they would be together again. There would be no darkness to fear. He had promised her on a summer's kiss that he would return in a month. He had held her hand so tightly that the thimble of his finger had pressed a small pattern into her skin. He promised he loved her. But it had been a year and more. Summer was gone once again, and so to autumn. The world was covered in snow, trees plucked down to bony limbs by the bitter wind. She loved the tailor's son, his golden eyes, his quiet words, his beautiful, graceful hands. Yarrow knew he was. Now Yarrow knew that she was not beautiful or graceful or quiet. Rather, she was sturdy and bright and strong, like the flowering weed that bore her name. But here, in this trembling moment before day and darkness, she did not feel strong, did not feel brave. Beyond the edge of the forest, the wild mountain rising at its back, was a twisted magic. Something dangerous, something dark, something that had taken the tailor's son. The wild mountain that always made her feel safe, protected, but tonight it has a bitter shadow, warning, warning her to return to her little house where her mother and old aunt who slept returned to the heath of her grandmother. She was done waiting, done wishing. She was done with endless days without the tailor's son's laughter, his voice, his touch. She was done being alone. She pulled her grandmother's red coat cloak closer around her shoulders and stared at the forest edge. In one hand she clutched a lantern, in the other a silver dagger. A dagger had been a gift from the grandmother, who had watched her with knowing eyes as Yo came home for the forest edge each night. Her grandmother had given her the dagger wrapped in the soldier's handkerchief. This will light the shadows, sweet Yarrow, she said pressing a dagger in Yarrow's palm. It is warm as if the fire smothered within it. This will burn the heart of the piper. Yarrow fitted her fingers around the, the dagger's black hilt and wondered how well it was balanced to her. Was it grandfather's? Did he carry it in the great wall? Grandmother's eyes went distant at the firelight from the heath brushed her softly in gold there was no there was, this was more than a memory in her eyes there was still no she said i did yarrow saw then not an old woman before her but an old warrior strong beneath the creases and wrinkles of age patient clever and sad we could not stop him then the piper could not stop him from taking them away from us so many so many what? asked 
Yero asked, aching for tales of the great battle. She only heard in whispered snatches. What did the piper take? Our children. Every child old enough to crawl. But drawn into the night of his calls, his music. We are, we with our strong arms, our mighty shouts, our clever weapons, could do nothing to stop him, to break his song, to turn our children home. Did you hunt him? she asked, her pulse beating too fast. The forest is not too deep, it's not too dark. He did not take them to the forest, dear Yarrow, her grandmother said. He took them to the mountain, and the mountain swallowed them whole. A shiver tripped down the other spine, the cosy hut suddenly felt cold, and still grandmother spoke. A piper is a wicked creature with wicked needs. No matter the gold we threw at his feet, no matter the riches and comforts we gave to him, all we wanted, all we hungered for was our children's souls. He promised he would turn them when the stars fell from the sky, and his hunger grew great enough. We watched. We have waited all these years. Yarrow held her silence, held her desperate questions. She did not want the truth stolen away by grandmother's regret. She wanted to hear that the words no one in the town dared to speak. But finally... She could not wait. Did he return the piper? Her grandmother shook her head, her snowy hair catching the yellow shades, shadows of firelight. He never returned. But as our, just as our children never returned, just as the tailor, tailor's boy will never return. Yorubi felt fear scratching faces between her heartbeats. You must find the tailor's son. Grandmother's gripped both of Yo's shoulders with strong warm hands. Or he be lost forever. Perhaps he's still looking for the Ivory Creek that unlock that will unlock the mountain and destroy the piper. Yo said anxiously for the comfort of hope. Perhaps he hasn't yet found the piper. Oh child, said the grandmother said softly. I'm sure that he did, otherwise he would have come, she would be home. Tonight the stars will fall. Tonight the piper will sit free of the mountain and feast upon our souls. No, Yo said, I'll find him, I'll stop him. Then you must prophesy three things. Yo nodded, caught by the tears that pulled us unshed in her grandmother's eyes. She had never seen her grandmother cry. From the fierce expression on her grandmother's face, she never would. Take the silver dagger, carry the copper lantern, wear cloak of colour of blood. When you find the ivory key, you'll find the tailor's son. He'll lead you to the piper so that you can cut out his wicked heart. The old woman rose and drew a folded bolt of rich, thick cloth from the shelf hidden in the corner. This, sh- this she shook out around Yarrow's shoulders, a, a cloak of colour of blood. How, d- how will I know, the piper? Yarrow asked. 
by his vice, by the magic within. And if he's silent, there's a mark upon his neck. Here, she drew one finger beneath her own chin, just above his jaw, a jagged scar that leads to his heart. How do you know? A glint of fire sharpened her eyes, because I am the one who scarred him. And you, my child, must be the one who ends him. Her grandmother's voice echoed in her ears as she stood here, now, at the edge of the forest, where no paths could be found. Yarrow ate for the warmth of her grandmother's house, for the safety of her own room, her own bed. The bells, long gone silent, smothered beneath the weight of snow, the swollen yellow moon rolled over the edge of the sky. Here in this dark night, here in this stillness, the moonlight seemed weak, a faint, faraway glow that couldn't, that did not quite touch the land, a light too fragile to break the deep darkness of the forest. She patted across the bridge she had tucked in her pocket, and a final glance back to, at the warmth and safety of her town, of her family, of her home, Yarrow walked into the woods, as shadows as still, her own breath it breathing sounded like an ocean, her boots in the snow like sand shifting through the waves, and her lantern in her hand burned a pocket of light around her, but it was only bright enough to reveal a few steps ahead. Soon she knew she was lost. She did not stop, could not stop. Her shadows drifted near, then dragged away, as if the entire forest was breathing, as if it, as if her feet, as if her feet were its heartbeat, and she were the only thing alive in the world. Unlike, until above, she heard the faintest of wings, a soft, hollow voice called out, "Who walks these woods of silence and darkness?" She held the lantern high overhead and saw a beautiful tawny owl with strange eyes, the colour of snow. I am Yarrow, sturdy and bright, the weed of the field. I am looking for ivory key. The owl blinked, then tipped its head greatly to one side. The ivory key is lost. It's us. But I'll give you your cape, if you give me your cape to warm my nest, I will give Take you to one wiser than I. Yo didn't want to give away her grandmother's coat, cloak. She didn't want to break her promise that she would wear it. But she, she had a sturdy coat beneath the cape and did not fear the cold. She carefully unknotted the ties and the owl flew to her, to her, lifting the cloak away and flying slowly deeper into the woods. Yarrow followed and a lantern high. It seemed she had walked. She had walked swiftly behind the owl, the owl for hours before they came upon a small creek that crinkled like hammered pewter. There, beside the creek, was a raven, dark, glossy feathers, glossy feathers, dark feathers, glossy as soft as a summer's night. Its eyes were the colours of beetle wings. Stands at the gate of frozen stone, it asked in a voice like rusted gate. 
And Yarrow's, I'm Yarrow, sturdy and bright, a weed of the field, I'm looking for the ivory key. The raven strutted away from the edge of the creek, walking in full circle round her, pausing, <coughs> it tipped its head <coughs> the other way. Black eyes piercing. The ivory key is lost, it's lost. But if you give me your lantern that shines so pure, I'll take you to the one more cleverer than I. This too her grandmother made a promise to keep, but her eyes are growing used to the darkness, and she didn't need it. She extended the copper lantern to the raven, who launched into flurry wings, clutching the lantern in its claws. Yaros ran to follow the swift bird. The glittering yellow light flittering just out of her reach, like a faint wisps of old. Her breath came more quickly, her cheeks burned with the cold of night, still she ran deeper into the forest. Finally she came upon a hollow tree, the roots of which were gnawed and black, covered in tufts of spongy green moss. There in, in the roots sat a rat, fur of the colour of fog, eyes glittering like wet gates. Stop setting up my hollow tree, the rat asked in a voice like a child's whistle. I am yellow, sturdy and bright, a widow, a, a bright, a weed of the field. I am looking for the ivory key, the rat twitched his pink nose. Long whiskers shivering its it scarped it, it up to yellow's feet, then lip, lifted up on its back legs when one tiny hand Softly braced on her boot. Yeah, every key is lost. But you could give me the bread if you in your if you but you give me the bread in your pocket, I'll take you to your heart's desire. Yara key is my heart's desire. No, said the rat. There's something you desire more. Yo wanted to ask if it was the tailor's son, wanted to speak his name, but the shadows of the forest leaned in, breathing cold against the back of her neck. The silence was listening. She gripped the silver dagger tighter, felt the heat of the hilt against her palm. The bread was all the food she had. She gave it to the rat. She would surely become too hungry and weak to find a way home. Still, she drew the bread out of her coat pocket and handed it to the rat. Here, said the rat, as he ran up upon the thimble boulders, each covered in thick moss and snow. Follow me. Yarrow climbed the boulders, her hands soon covered in wet and wet and slick, her boots slipping against the ice that crackled beneath her toes and heels. It was a pile, tall pile of stones, ragged and tall, old, as if the tears of giants had fallen and frozen here at the mountain's feet. At the top of the pile, in the front of the small opening, waited the rat. Only when the fall... Winter's moon can its door be found, the rat said in his voice soft its foot voice a soft breathing. The first touch of morning's light will seal it away for a year full of days. The moon had already travelled the ocean of the sky. A, a baleful blind eye nearing the other horizon, and like a glittering spark stirred by the heavenly wind, the stars began to fall. She had so little time left. Thank you, she said, as she crouched down. It was dark beyond beyond the opening. 
darker than the forest around her. Then the rat patted her face exactly where the where the tailor's son fingers had last touched her, and scurried away below before Yarrow had could ask any questions of what exactly lay within the mountain. She had to find the key. With it she had found the tailor's son before the moon was gone and the sun burned the heavy heavens from black to blue. She walked into the mountains. It was so dark she felt as if she was wrapped in a fold of velvet, blinded. Still she made her way forward, one hand dragging lightly across the cold stone cold stone wall, the other holding a dagger close to her chest. The stones leaned closer. She had to turn sideways to ease between the walls that crowded in. If she had been wearing a red cloak, it would have been caught here. She would have been trapped. Instead, she easily slipped through the narrow opening. Her breath echoed back to her, a chorus of hush and sighs. Then the narrow passage opened in a small chamber, no bigger than a grandmother's hut. There, there was no light. There was no light here, but eyes so long without the lantern that finally came used to this darkness. If she had been carrying her lantern, she would be blind and could never have seen the truth of this place. The truth was horrifying. The walls were covered in bones, some of them small, some of them large. They were not the bones of animals. They were the bones of people. At first she thought the bones were draped in a gauzy cloth that shifted slightly in the dead and air. Except the gauze was not cloth, it was the tattered souls of all the missing children of the town, lured by the piper, swallowed by the mountain. All the ghost eyes watching her, all the ghost hands reaching for her, reached for her, all the ghost mouths moved with words barely more than a sigh. Warning her, run away from these cursed stones. The piper hangs for your bones. She didn't, she, but she did not need warning. In the centre of the room stood two figures. One was a slim, tall man with dark hair, eyes that glowed green. He wore a patchy suit that reminded her of her auntie's quilt, stitched of bits of bright coloured coloured fabric in his hand was a pipe made of bone when he brought it to his lips the sweetest music she ever heard filled the room filled her head filled every breath of her lungs and who are you my brave child the music seemed to ask who has come to hear my song he always struggled look away from the man she wanted desperately to see the other figure in the room the man she knew as well as her own heartbeat. Taylor's son stood quietly. He looked, does not look afraid, only curious. He is not bound or tied. His face was clean and curl of his hair combed. He wore the same coat, trousers and boots which reminded, reminded, remembered him wearing a year ago, yet he looked as if he hardly aged a day. I am Yarrow, sturdy. And bright, she said, a weed of the field. I'm here to take my true love home. Of course, the piper said, of course you are. 
and there he is waiting for you. Yarrow stepped forth towards Taylor's son. He smiled. My beautiful Yarrow, he said, golden eyes shining, stay with me here, where the fields are green and skies are blue, where summer never ends. The music played softly as the tailor's son spoke. Chamber around them faded, and it became instead a vision of his words. Green fields rolled in plenishment with flowers, trees heavy with fruit, offered perfume shade, the sun shone warm between fluffy clouds. There was no bones nailed upon cold wall, stone walls. There was only children, a hundred or more, some of them small, some of them large, laughing, dancing, frolicking the field. Stay with me, said the tailor's son again. His voice oddly that of a flute playing. The coward, the children danced the one tugged her sleeve. Yara couldn't see laugh the the child's face. She saw terror. She thought she could hear soft words in a breeze. Run away, run away from these cursed stones. But the music played louder and she forgot the, the terror. Forgot the words. Will you marry me? Will you will we will marry? You and I, the tailor's son sang. Another child tumbled past her as he rolled his mouth. Formed around words you could hardly hear. The piper hugs for your bones. The music played louder and she forgot the warning, forgot the words. Take my hand and we will be together forever. The tailor's son held out his hands, his eyes shining. Yo, look. From, from his warm eyes down to his hands, friendly hands, kind hands, but there was no thimble on his finger. She had never seen him without the ivory guard, never known her to put it away. Foul child slipped, skipped past, brushing her wrist, and the arrow felt a heavy heart burning in her palm, heavy heat burning in her palm. She was carrying a dagger here in this beautiful field, even though the music even though the music played louder, the dagger remained solid and her hand sturdy and bright, reminding her of her grandmother, reminding her of home. No matter how loud or how sweetly the piper played, she knew in her heart she was not her field. She, this was not her field, this was not her summer, this is not her tailor's son. She lifted the dagger with a steady hand, plunged the lay deep into the tailor's son's heart. The music stopped, the child's children stopped, the wind and the sun and the clouds, the sky all went still. A, straight, a great shrieking rose from all beyond her. The wind was more than a wind. It was a voice, it was power, it was fury. The tailor's son, who stood still in front of her, melted away like a hot wax, revealing instead another man. He was tall, ragged, coated man, thick white scar, carved a path that beneath his chins, beneath his heart. He was a, he was the piper, a flute, hollowed bone clutched in his hand. Often in the distance, the other men who looked like the piper wavered, and changed into a slight, 
so familiar uh, heart caught potato sun you are nothing the piper hissed his eyes glittering green pupils long and narrow like a snake or demons you are no one you are but a weed in the field i am brave and strong and alive yeah i said just like a weed in the field i am your end the final fragment of the piper's illusion shattered she was once again in the deep dark cavern once again surrounded by walls hung with bones whole souls pinned in tatters against the piper's blood pulled around the dagger as drops fell onto the rocky ground they hissed and caught the stones to the, on the fire with, with each drop of blood the ghosts against the walls began to move unfastening themselves from their bones like buttons sliding free of holes the ghosts surged forward surrounding the piper pulling pushing snarling they fled their bones like dry kindling into the fire at his feet the piper screamed yarrow fought her way through the weaving ghosts fought her way through the smoke and fire filling the small cabin the piper screamed and screamed as the fire devoured her whole she had to find the tailor's son her eyes watered her lungs hurt with a string of smoke she knew she could not leave the mountain before the fire burned her up too she knew only she was drawn she knew dawn was moments away from stealing the mountain for another year just then she saw felt a warm hand clasp her own familiar fingers threaded together with hers on the other on the end of the one finger was a cool heart heavy press of a ivory thimble yarrow said the tailor's son his voice rough and unused from the years trapped in the mountain Run! Yarrow held tight to his hand and ran, guiding him through the narrow corridor, through the dark of the cave, then out to the, onto the pile of rocks. Smoke gushed out of the cave as Yarrow made her way down a stagger of stones. She glanced back only once and saw the ghosts of all the children flying free of the mountain, their laughter and joy like bells shivering in the star-tumbled sky. Taylor's son followed her down to the her down the boulders he did not look back once he did not once look back his hand looked, looked tightly with her own when they reached the forest door floor he, she finally turned to him he looked tired thin a year trapped within the mountain and taking some of the light out of his eyes and brushed from his cheeks but when he smiled at her she knew her heart that he was indeed to take the sun I'm sorry I broke my promise, he said. I'm sorry I didn't return. I know, Yarrow said. Now that I've found you, you will make new promises. Yarrow looked around at the trees. Even though dawn was not just beginning to bring light to the sky, you still lost and didn't know what to find, how to find a way through the forest. There, the tailor said, pointing up with one hand. He would, He would not let go of the other and started so closely with him with his with his that she felt his heart beat breadcrumbs breadcrumbs had been dropped by the clever rat she had not given the rat a bread he should never find a way through the forest she and would be lost
They followed the trail through the forest as the dawn rose. The bells of the town rang out in jubilant harmony. The wise out, thoughtful raven winged above them like heralds announcing royalty. All the ghosts followed in their wake. The town rejoiced at their return and celebration was held to honour the children who had been lost. The ghosts attended the celebration. Families finally reunited after long, long years. There was dancing, singing, and music, though no one played the pipes. Stories are told, memories shared, loving words given and received. Yara watched her, watched her heart full as her grandmother, old, old auntie's friends, laughed and danced with the spirits of those whom they never stopped loving. Before they left, the ghosts promised they'd return in a year to celebrate with their families again. Yara did not know if her heart could be happier. But it was not yet the happiest time. The next summer, on a full, a beautiful moon, Yarrow and Taylor's son exchanged their own promise of love. While many might offer a ring to seal a vow, Yarrow and Taylor's son instead gave each other ivory thimble. They wore them that day and wore them on their fingers forevermore. When they kissed, they, when they searched each other's eyes, they saw hope and trust and kindness there. They knew that their love was sturdy and bright. It would last forever, happy ever after. Devin Monks is nationally best-seller writer of urban fantasy. Her stories include Ordinary Magic, House Immortal, Ali Beckstorm, Broken Magic, Shame and Tarek, she also writes the Age of Steampunk series, an occasional short story which ha- which will be found in her collection, a couple of normal ways, very various anthologies such as this one. She has one husband, two sons, and lives in Oregon. When not writing, Devon is either writing, drinking too much coffee or knitting silly things. Want to read more from Devon? Find all her box on Amazon. Follow her online or sign up to her newsletter at www.devonmonk.com.